Hey everybody, my name is Matt. And I'm Candace. And this is Dateology. We are a voice for Christian metropolitan dating. Where we collect honest stories. For liberating wisdom. For discovery and companionship. And today's episode is a continuation of our attachment uh, series, you know, a little series of episodes here. Uh, if you missed part one, it's totally up. It's there for you to check out. Um, we had a lot of fun recording it. It was so fun to learn from Candace. This is like her expertise as a marriage and family therapist is thinking about attachment. She studied it. It's been great to learn from you, Candace. Thank you, and Matt. I'm excited to, uh, yeah, kind of complete the thought around attachment yeah. uh, as we jump into today's episode. But first, could you give us a little... Um, a little recap of sure. the first Yeah, part. so I agree. I recommend that people go back and listen, but just to give a small summary of what we talked about is we're going through and discussing attachment theory and how that affects the way that we view ourselves, how we date and see the world around us. And so what attachment is, is when we are young in life and how we're formed throughout our entire lifespan, um, gets impacted by our first earliest primary caregivers and then our most significant relationships through life. So our parents um, or whoever raised you will be the ones Mm. who um, teach you through how they cared for you, what it looks like to be comforted, what it looks like to get your needs met, to have emotions, to be Mm. loved, to be independent and part of a family. Um, wow. to resolve conflict. There's so many facets of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and, as you're making that list, I was, I was just thinking like, man, that is basically like everything <laughs> that happens in any relationship, right? That's like, right. So in lots of ways, if we're talking about attachment, we're talking about baseline relational skills or abilities, more or less. Um, That's right. And how that has origins in how we were raised. That's right. And so unfortunately, if your parents aren't, um, you know, fairly perfect people and you don't have to be perfect, but um, if your parents weren't good at attuning to your needs, if they hadn't had a model um, for themselves of what secure and healthy love looked like, um, then unfortunately, about 70% of us have um, are on the spectrum of an insecure attachment. And so that ranges from learning emotional avoidance from other people, having um, anxious attachment to others, to having a disorganized attachment. And so we went through all Mm. of that in the last episode. Yeah. Um, And so I just lost my train of thought. No, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I feel like we covered so much ground in the last episode that like, it would be hard to keep it all, keep it, keep it all together because we got to talk about, um, yeah, everything from, uh, like what these attachment styles and secure attachment styles look like, where they come from. Mm-hmm. We talked about anxious attachment, attachment, avoided attachment, this disorganized, chaotic right. version of it as well. And yeah, I, I so appreciated you just bringing your expertise to bear and discussing that. Yeah. With me. So that was really cool. Yeah. And as that touches, like you were saying, so many facets of our life, it will more significantly be apparent when we're dating because there's parts of us that are most intimate, vulnerable selves that we only experience certain things with, with our parents, like, you know, close physical touch and, um, you know, vulnerability with our stories and shared life and, compromise those things are heightened when we're getting into intimate relationships and so mm-hmm. that's why attachment is more pronounced when people are getting into more serious relationships okay that makes sense so i know one of the things that we were like leaving off with at the end of the first part was basically secure attachment and that's right starting to try to understand that wrap our minds around it and one of the things that we've said since we first started this whole uh, podcast was like, we want to help people discover the good news that mm-hmm. is there for dating. Like, it's not all hard. It's not all difficult. It's not all pain and sorrow. Like, there is hope. And mm-hmm. 
some of the good news that I think we can glean on this topic of attachment is uh, just really getting vision for what um, secure attachment looks Mm -hmm. like in dating. So um, though I know we finished our part one episode uh, discussing secure attachment, could you just like briefly kind of define some of the, you know, some of what secure attachment looks like from a kind of like psychological, where, where it comes from, family history kind of perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we get secure attachment through, um, when we're young, we express the needs that we have to our caregivers and our caregivers will attune to those needs. They will validate them. They have the capacity to meet them. That in turn makes us feel seen and known and loved. It keeps us um, calm and feeling safe. And then we are able then to kind of loop back around in that cycle and express our needs clearly the next time and know that someone's going to have our needs be met and and be able to have the capacity for them. And so that's a yeah. cycle that, that feeds off of itself. So that's what the most secure um, relationships with our parents would look like. I see. And so s- like when the baby's crying... The, the mom or dad or grandparent or whoever that primary caregiver is like, they just know, Hey, I need to console this child, you know, take care of what they need. And a a more securely attached person is going to receive that sort of, um, like attuned response more often than not. Yeah. And so even with a secure parent, like they know that their child gets hungry at a certain time. And so the parent will feed them before the child gets fussy. The parent mm. will put them down for a nap when they first start rubbing their eyes before the child is throwing a huge temper tantrum. Mm. So it's the parents that are highly attuned to their kids and don't invalidate their kids when their kids fuss. They don't say, what's wrong with you? They say, oh, Johnny, oh, yeah. it looks like you're hungry. Let's get you a snack. Oh, totally, totally. Yep, yep. Okay, so that that's cool. And then one of the things that we also discussed towards the end of the last episode is like uh, how for a lot of us, um, we have a little mix of insecurity or sometimes mm-hmm. a large mix of insecurity mm-hmm. in in our souls, in our system, right? Um, and there's, there is a provision, there's a process for moving from insecurity towards security. That's right. And um, you mentioned... Therapy as an important place where mm-hmm. people can recover a more secure, um, more secure way of relating. Would you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, so I would say that um, the first thing that I'd want someone to do is just develop awareness about yourself, develop awareness about your story and where you fall on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, what is your disorganized attachment style? So that would be step one. And yes, you can do that in a therapeutic context. Um, What we talked about before is that the beauty of therapy is it is a container. And the therapist is, their job is to model for you what secure attachment looks like. Mm -hmm. And and to be that figure to validate your needs, to attune to you, to notice the nuances of your body language, to be able to say, oh, you just tensed up. When we were talking about this, what was going on? Mm. Or, oh, you seemed really emotionally connected. And then you know, you're talking about this one thing and, and then you just went blank. What's going yeah. on there? And so within that process, we get to experience what it looks like to be secure. And we get to do some of the work of discovering how we became, how we came to where we are in, um, on this spectrum mm-hmm. and where our own deficiencies lie how yeah. to talk through and process some of the wounds that we had from our parents and then how to practice mm. some healthy skills so that we can take outside of the room into the world healthy attachment to, to give that to other people and to be able to yeah. expect that for ourselves. Because unfortunately what happens is uh-huh. if our world taught us that we um, should uh, predict that others won't value our needs or that people will shame us, then we tend to date those types of people. If your right, mom right, or dad are the normal. type of people to say like, you know, suck it up, you shouldn't cry, then you're going to date someone that's not going to validate your feelings because that's what's normal to you. Right. And if you date right. someone that says like, oh, tell me how that makes you feel, that actually might 
push you away because it feels so foreign and might bring up really uncomfortable feelings in your body. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's such a, a really great tangible example of how some of this can show up in dating, which is like, you know, if a person who has learned to not validate their own feelings because they weren't weren't validated through uh, their primary caregivers growing up. If they start like talking with somebody who is like really, really, really invested in validating another person's feeling and hearing about them and want to want to like say that's OK, it might feel like this smothering thing. Perhaps sure. even it might just mm-hmm. be like, wait, why are you probing or why are you like uh why are you so emotional? Like, I mean, yes. these are the sort of things that yes. can be elicited in a person who uh, maybe has has tended to, to stuff their feelings a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very common for someone who is avoidant attached on the scale is feeling, oh, you're being clingy or you're prying. You're asking too many questions. Yeah. Um, you know, why are you being so emotional about this? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay, so... Um, so therapy then is like a place where some of that can be worked out, right? Um, and and then it shifts from that sort of either avoided or anxious or chaotic, way, insecure way of relating towards the more secure way of relating, right? Yes, that would be the hope. So as you are relearning experiences, as you're learning what's healthy and what's not healthy, I mean, that's a, a huge part of the therapy journey is something seems so normal and your family might act like it's normal. Oh, it's not big of a, that big of a deal. Why are you being so high maintenance? But in therapy, mm. they're like, oh, wow, that is a big deal. Wow, like, what can we do to solve that? Then as you're dating, for the first time, you're able to see if some guy's like, that's not a big deal. Why are you acting that way? For the Maybe before you thought in your head, oh, my gosh, why am I acting this way? He's right. I'm being so high maintenance because that's your world narrative. Now, because your therapist has been teaching you, no, you're right. You, sh- you have needs to stand up for yourself. Then you're able to say back, oh, actually, I don't like when you talk to me that way. Or no, I, I was hmm. serious that I didn't want to stay at this restaurant or that I am tired. I need to go home. Yeah. And you can advocate for yourself. And so you can implement mm-hmm. a lot of the tools. I see. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Wow. So... A lot of I, I love the way that you are describing therapy as simultaneously a way to like both um, kind of mine within yourself for like what are the origins of this and kind of like come to understand that process it, but also as a way to in real time with the therapist practice what a better way of relating looks mm-hmm. like. Sure. And then you know you go back to your therapist and you. Therapist is sort of like talking to you about your daily life, like, oh yeah, at work, like, what what has it looked like to advocate for yourself mm-hmm. or be less compliant mm-hmm. or uh, be less aggressive or be less anxious or whatever it might be, right? Um, and so that there is both like a, a past looking kind of mining into the past as well as like a very present kind of coaching uh, exploration in daily life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I could see how that would be the that combo of things looking back and being very, very present with what's going on uh, would uh, lead to some like uh, healing, mm-hmm. you know, of I think what's, what can be hard. And I think I hear this sometimes from people that aren't as open to therapy is like, well, why that option? And unfortunately, there aren't that many other experiences that are going to mimic a secure figure an intimate person in your life um, yes. who you would feel comfortable sharing a lot of things with. There's just what other scenario do we walk through where we can True. relive those experiences? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that's, that's so true. And I think sometimes it does take like a investment in a professional, like who will be dedicated to this. And that is why like, Therapists exist is because they're trained to be professionals in this sort of thing. That's like that's like why you did all of your hours of meeting with people, got certified, all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. Candace. It's because it's like no, this is like a real skill that is needed, right? Mm-hmm. And for the sake of people's patterns, uh, like uh, being being healed, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah. So that's our plug for therapy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We believe in it. 
Um, but to go back to yeah, your yeah, original question. Yeah, just to further that plug for therapy real quick. Yes. Candace is a marriage and family therapist. <laughs> and if you wanted to meet with her, she is available. She'll receive clients. That's She's so good at yes. it. I am so. an option as are, you know, probably several people in your local area. Because I know not all of our listeners are in the Bay. Um, yeah. But going back to your original question of what is healthy and how do we construct that out? Yes. There are a lot of domains, like we're giving kind of sporadic examples, and I know that's what's so hard about, you know, talking about therapeutic things, it's very high level. But I do want to just talk about a couple of areas so that people can keep in mind, like, what parts of me need to be examined and looked at. So yeah. one is just emotion. Hmm. So being able to identify your emotions, being able to express them in a way that's healthy, and also being able to read the emotions and validate the emotions of the people that, that are around you. Mm. Um, the next part would be physical um, affection and space. So being able to, in appropriate context, be open to physical touch and to receive mm. that as something that's comforting and warm, and also knowing when that's inappropriate, knowing when to keep distance, knowing when physical touch is wanted by another person, mm. um, and 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 being able to use it for actual love and connection, and not for a manipulation or yeah. you know for trying to. I think there's a lot of ways that we can use physical touch and in a way that's not pure. Um, I see. And I don't so, mean like impure, like sinful. I'm thinking about like people that... Kind of mixed uh, motivations. Yeah. Like trying yeah. to get someone's attention, trying to, um, yeah. you know, manipulate a situation, feeling like you don't have a say in the matter, feeling like if someone wants it, they always have to say yes. Um, hmm. Not being able to listen and respect your own intuition that's saying like, stop, don't go further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear in that, like, uh, on on one hand, uh, kind of like in the positive, to for there to be room for physical affection, physical intimacy in a space is actually a sign of security between people. Mm-hmm. And um, our ability to say no to physical affection or whatever mm-hmm. um, is also a sign of security. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. That's right. That makes yeah, a lot of sense so to me. Yeah, because so for the avoidant learning to open up physically is part of your work Hmm. and for someone who has had maybe sexual abuse in your past or is very anxious and trying to bid for connection maybe for you it's being able to reserve physical touch Hmm. and wait for more appropriate times that's someone's work that makes sense wow this is so interesting because i i think um you know, I, I often, especially in Christian circles, have heard people refer to like PDA, public displays of affection, as being like a, a big no-no or something, mm. you know, like as if like to really, really show affection to your partner uh, in a visible way is like there's something inappropriate about that. Mm. And I, I'm actually hearing a little bit of like, like, oh, no, it's actually it actually can be a sign of just security in a relationship. That's that right. there's like willingness and comfort with one another. Well, if you looked at a parent and a child, you'd be able to see it. So if yeah. a child fell down and scraped their leg, an appropriate thing for a parent to do is to pick them up, to wipe off the leg, to hug them, to say it's okay, to maybe kiss their forehead. Yeah. That's an appropriate response. And so those those similar things need to follow us through life. If you... Mm-hmm lose your job you want your partner to be able to cuddle you and kiss you on the head and say oh i'm so sorry to hear that to rub your back Mm -hmm. and maybe Mm -hmm. if you're walking into a room and you're anxious or nervous knowing your partner can hold your hand or totally you know have their hand on your leg during a church service whatever those things are Um, but it is it is healthy um i'm having like a a total flashback right now to what to to um (laughs) being at our old church that we grew up in right okay and, like being like sitting next to my parents uh-huh. and them like holding hands as they're worshiping and feeling like like man that's kind of nice like i bet that's great you know <laughs> and just that's like very sweet 
Yeah, it's really sweet. And it's really it sounds sweet. really, it seems really beautiful. Yeah. Um, for there to just be room for that in like a, it. like totally okay. And this is like affectionate and this is appropriate sort yeah. of way where like, oh, we care about each other and we care about God and we're close to God. And mm-hmm. so we do this, mm-hmm. you know, like that's pretty cool. Yeah. I think that is great to be able to, yeah, I think church ends up being one of those places that you can notice like couples that are really comfortable with touch during services. And I think there's something about being re like being united with God and being united with your partner that feels um, oh, just yeah. like really beautiful and joining. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. this is really funny. So like uh, <laughs> uh, on that note, so uh, Lindsay and I, we went to like a premarital uh, counseling class that was uh-huh. full of like a bunch of people. And uh, Lindsay is like very, very physically affectionate person. And I've like totally learned that from her. Like she's just like, I don't know, she's like basically more Latina, Latino than I am. <laughs> like she's just like very, uh, like loves to, you know, with strangers, just like give them a hug and, you know, these kinds mm-hmm. of things. She's like a very uh, physically affectionate person. And, um, and, uh, I, like we would always be sitting close with like an arm around the chair or something like that uh, at this premarital class. And I remember when it would strike us that like we felt like, you know, it's a premarital class. It's like all these people who are ultra in love and like about to get married. And we felt like the this like sore thumb, like these oddballs because like yeah. we wanted to be close to each other. And uh, we're like a little self-conscious about it or something. Uh, so, yeah, um, I guess that mostly just to say, like, uh, the ways that physical affection is treated sometimes in mm-hmm. church contexts can be like, oh, it's improper, or, you know, like we need to whatever, whatever. You know, I, I don't yeah. know what fuels that or yeah. not or okay. if it, I'm I making it up in my really... head, but... I feel like I've noticed uh, a more reserved physical affection thing uh, in churchy spaces. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I tend to be a more affectionate person myself, so it's probably less like obvious to me. But um, yeah. I think I have seen those kind of you know dogmatic views. But I don't know, maybe not so much in my own personal circles, but. I can imagine the type of things that you're talking about. My parents are also just super physically affectionate. Hmm. My parents are the type of people that have like the joy of like the marital bed book on their like bookshelf in the living room. <laughs> so there's like no secret about your your parents' <laughs> sex life. It's so funny. Yeah, I, that was always really creepy growing up, but. Yes, I do want to move forward to the other different aspects we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned emotion, and then you mentioned and physical affection physical and touch. space. Yeah, yeah. The other things are like honoring differences in each oh. other, validating um, the different needs that we have, being able to celebrate one another, not getting caught up in being prideful or feeling like you have to one up somebody, but just be, being purely happy for someone in their their moments of joy. Yeah. Um, the ability to set healthy boundaries, which we have talked about, you know, recently. Yeah. Um, conflict resolution. So how to address and be honest about conflict and get to a place of um, like restorative repair, hmm. um, being able to compromise, mm-hmm. being able to differentiate between my individual self versus myself in relationship and i think that one's a really hard one for dating I, I think naturally when we get excited about someone we want to spend a lot of time together and sometimes there's like a morphing process that will happen um but yeah. in healthy secure relationships there's going to be a moving in, in and out of this is my individual self my work self my hobby self myself with my individual friends and then this is me connected to you this is me in relationship. Yeah. These are our friends together. These are our moments of, of intimacy and joint experiences. Mm. So there's like a, there's clarity around like what's yours, what's mine, what's ours, and there's That's like right. an okayness with it. Yes, mm-hmm. and and I think so. The where the avoidant would lie on this spectrum is being high individual, 
mm-hmm. and being the type of person to kind of say like, oh, take all the space you need and having less of the joint interdependent time mm-hmm. where the anxious on the other hand is going to be someone who wants constant validation and connection because they're worried that the relationship is going to dissolve or they're not going to mm-hmm. be loved or picked. Um, yeah. And so the healthy the... person can be openly, openly do both, openly reassure you and, and have relationship and high connection and uh-huh. also be able to, to walk away in a way that feels loving and go to work and focus on other things and then come back and be loving and connected. Yeah, yeah. It And I remember you mentioned like the possibility of people wanting to merge with their partners mm-hmm. uh, in this too. Is that... Is that, I mean, what's the characteristic? Is that the anxious person? So if like the avoidant person wants to be ultra independent, like no way I'm merging with you, is the anxious person like, oh, I will merge with like whatever you say, like kind of people pleasing, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, anxious attached do tend to, because they didn't get consistent love and, and didn't get their consistent needs met and they want it, um... There is almost like an, an insatiable desire to, to be connected hmm. because disconnection is always met with fear that someone's not going to come back mm-hmm. um, or they're not going to care about my needs. And so if I'm connected with you, if I'm next to you, if we're going to the same, you know, parties, if, if we're at, yeah. if we're doing the same events, if we're on the phone, if you're texting me, then I'm constantly feeling like I'm okay. I'm okay. They care uh, about I me. See. Our relationship is intact but silence can can feel like oh what in the world is happening you can i see yeah and so, unfortunately that can for anxiously attached people it can turn them into um to like a panic attack or into just like a spiraling effect where mm-hmm. you know you don't hear from your partner for a while and and then you go through this like what did i do wrong are they gonna come yeah. back to me and then when you re-engage with your partner, sometimes it's you meet your partner with defensiveness or hostility. Interesting. Um, yeah. Which a secure person would be able to meet your partner just with joy of being able to see your partner. Yeah. That's and if there good. was some kind of, you know, neglect in the time that it took for them to reach out to you, a secure person would be able to say, like, hey babe, I missed you today. I texted you at twelve o'clock and I didn't hear from you t- till five. Like, what's up? Did you have a busy day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. Could and it, it it's like with... held less as a like this is about me. I did something wrong, or like I need to move with more aggressive hostility towards this other person. And said, "There's like even just the way you worded that sounds more curious, more open. Mm-hmm. Like while also saying like, hey, I was missing you.' Like to mm-hmm. to own your feelings. That's right. It's it expressing your feelings and your needs, but also mm-hmm. assuming the best of the other person at the same time." Hmm. That's so good. And you mentioned you use the word interdependent mm-hmm. um, to describe what secure relating looks like here. Mm-hmm. Would you just like say more about interdependence? Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, yeah. Especially if we're thinking dating. Sure. So interdependence is the ability to. So independence is individually like being dependent on self. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, it's codependence, which is basically in a relationship where we're doing other things for people um, that they that they ought to be doing for themselves. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes that's like, you know, over like caregiving for someone who could be able to, you know, maybe you're like a parent who pays the bills for their 30-year-old child who should have a job. Like right, that's right, right. codependent. Um, yep. Being able to overlook someone's drinking and saying it's okay and not communicating needs and expectations that's codependence being a couple that's always together and maybe because one person is anxious and the other person doesn't want to fuel the anxiety then they'll compromise and always be together that that's codependence so an interdependence is being able to to live life together um in a way that uh, it's healthy and good. Like, I do need you. That's a true statement. Um, mm-hmm. And being able to live life independently too. So it's being able to almost like transform in and out of that posture of mm. 
living my life as an independent individual that God created and then moving into this space where I can. Um, I don't know why this is coming to mind, like um, the hmm. Power Rangers. I might be like dated. Oh, oh do, do tell more. Did, did you ever watch? I didn't really watch the Power Rangers, but that's what's oh, in my Oh, I right totally now. did. Okay, because the Power Rangers individually had their like skills and you mm-hmm. know their colors alone and they could fight by themselves. But then yeah. there'd be a, an opportunity where combined they were more powerful and there is an appropriateness to to go into that oneness yes yes and in fact if they didn't combine their powers then they could stand a chance against the enemies right that's right yeah did you watch captain planet yes okay that that probably resonates with me a little more earth fire i just remember heart being the one at the end and just being like that's not an element I don't remember. I just remember huh. our powers combined. <laughs> um, okay, so that's like an example of like what inter- interdependence looks like. It's like yes. this ability to join forces, but also to operate on our own solo at yes. times. And yeah. just like knowing when's the right time to do both. Yep. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and in lots of ways, it sounds to me like interdependence uh, is a bit of a balancing act right? Like it's kind of, um, like how you mentioned, it's the intermediary between like being ultra independent or being codependent. It's like, Oh, I can have myself and Mm -hmm. I can, I can really like sacrifice myself for your sake too, you know, like, uh, for the, but I also know when that, that can be too much sacrificing myself for your sake because it'll actually like make me resentful or make me Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. Like, so interdependence will, kind of thread the needle there right in the middle. And you see this um, in parents too. Hmm. So, you know, and then that same person is, gets into a relationship if they're codependent and then they become parents. And the Hmm. person that doesn't know interdependence is the mom that shows up to the school and says like, why did my daughter not get picked for the play? Oh yeah. Why isn't my daughter on the soccer field? Um, you know, walks totally. up to the little girl. Hey, how come you didn't invite my daughter to the birthday party? <laughs> oh man! And not that's giving rough. their children the opportunity to learn on their own, and yeah, and so yeah. that's codependence. Where a healthy interdependent mom would be able to, oh, I'm so sad for you that you didn't get invited to that party. And her role is to comfort that and to talk about how did that make you yes. feel. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And not but to it's not necessarily it like take it into our own hands. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's interesting. Um, okay. And so th- this is all part of secure attachment. It looks like interdependence, mm-hmm. right? With, with a partner. Um, okay. Any other, like, so a few things that I was, I was taking notes because you're sure. so good at teaching this stuff. So like <laughs> a few of the things that you listed as, a part of secure attachment are uh, kind of being able to handle emotions well, both like identifying and expressing our own emotions as well as uh, taking care of the emotions of other people, empathizing, that kind of thing, listening well. Mm-hmm. You mentioned physical affection. Um, uh, you mentioned honoring each other's differences. That's very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that can be very tough to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you're from that that way of doing things in your family i'm from this way of doing this these same things in my family they're very diametrically opposed Mm -hmm. can we honor these as differences that are just there between us right and then you mentioned conflict resolution you mentioned um this interdependence piece rather than being overly independent or overly codependent um anything else that are like facets. Yeah, so I think just security. a couple things that got missed in there was like being able to celebrate each other. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so um, good. And awesome. So we and talked about boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Compromise. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I love, I love this stuff. So now let's like, now let's take this to the, the uh, you know, on the ground level of dating mm-hmm. right so all of this stuff like how you i love the way you put it like in some ways to talk about attachment and psychology is to talk about some things that can can sort of find application in any place so first we can just acknowledge like 
this is about how we relate to family. This is about how we relate to coworkers. But, you know, you and I, we're invested in this conversation about dating in particular, especially That's as Christians. Um, so how how do you think all of this, like, uh, you know, what, what would it look like for Christians to be secure, like have secure attachment as they date? Well, yes. if like two people who have secure attachment as they date start okay. dating, like what does that look like in the different okay. stages of dating? Yes. So first, the preliminary part of that question is to like really be rooted in who you are as an individual, right? And being like showing up to the date as a full person, knowing Mm. where your identity lies in God, knowing your interests and hobbies and having friendships and community and support. So showing up whole. Mm, Um, Cool. And, you know, obviously we talked a lot about therapy. That's like part of the preliminary thing. I, I want it just to be very clear. Sometimes you'll think, oh, well, if I'm like good with God, then I'm good. And uh, like having a relationship with God doesn't override the need to do your own work. Like that's, you can't just like pray this stuff into existence. Um, you know, God really is about like the journey with us. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing sanctifying work. Yeah. Yeah, that's Which right. So you can't skip over that part. So, yep. so the idea is if two people are showing up full and whole, then on a first date, they are just open, open to seeing um, what's going to happen, being curious about the other person's life, wanting to have, create like a safe, secure experience where each of you has a good time and picks a restaurant that you'll both enjoy and can express little needs that you have, you know, whether it's, oh, this is, you know, this table is too cold or <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. I don't eat meat. Or like, hey, are. it'll be hard for me to show up there by seven because I have a late work meeting. Could we shift it to 730? Yeah, like just so there's right. like room to to be Good flexible with one another. It sounds like and the too. response to that would be like, oh, of course. Yeah. Right. So assuming good things of each other and then being able to show up as, you know, fully me, being able to share with you who I am, facets of my life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in those initial dates we talked about in the boundaries episode, like having appropriate conversations. So maybe not jumping so deep into, yeah, that, you know. I got to listen to that episode. I thought it was so interesting that oh. point that you're making about like uh, in that little nugget that you get to um, discuss about boundaries because um, there's such a thing as oversharing, right? That's like right. an inappropriate time, right? That's so right. a secure person isn't doing the oversharing work. Right. But they are being open, right? Like that's right. So there's uh, ways like to be open about things levels that we... of vulnerability. Yeah. So things that we think, believe, hobbies, interests, our job. Like there's ways to be really open about stuff that that is like commonplace information that can still lead to connection in an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so avoiding the talk of you know, oh my ex boyfriend was like this, or this <laughs> is my big sin issue. Um, yeah. And you want to save that stuff for people that are more intimate in your life. In a first date, you're not going to know, you know, you don't know how long that person's going to be in your life for. So yeah, health and yeah. garden and protectedness in that. Yeah. One one little, I don't know, theme that I'm hearing in this uh, around security and especially early on in a date is um, it sounds like just a lot of freedom and openness to discover, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and to be flexible with one another. Like there's... Um, I hear in this a uh, a combination in this very interdependent kind of way, like how you're describing. Um, there's like room for for me to be me and you to be you, and we don't need to turn down for each other. We don't need to overturn up for each other, right? Like uh, to try to I don't know. There's just room for one another, mm-hmm. and yeah, and what yeah, I, I, I just think that's that... like pretty cool. What I would add to that through the experience, so as you continue to date someone, is that some of that room does get truncated a little bit and gets um, what gets added to it is a, a high validation. Hmm. And so with secure people are not the people to play games. Secure people aren't going to hold back if I really like you. They're not going to play aloof. They're not going to wait three days to call you. Secure people are going to be the ones that might text you after the and I had a really great time looking forward to the next one. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not from this up. anxious way of like, now I need to kind of control this and keep it moving along. Instead, it's just like, no, I, this was just great. I like you. 
Yeah. I, I liked this, you know? Yeah, and be able to be honest through the process. And mm-hmm. and so with that secure person, also if they don't you know, want to keep dating, that they're honest about that part too and mm-hmm. can end relationships and aren't trying to, um, you know, keep people around for validation, but you are just honest about what you want. And so okay, scheduling yeah, yeah. that next date. This is good. Let's like, want to see them. I want to go through this a little bit slower. Like you just sure. jump to like, oh, and, and if you end the relationship, like, let's just go a little bit slower. So, um, like, so that was like a first date, right? Mm-hmm. Now, like if they're, if, um, you know, person, if people are like discovering, two secure people are discovering um, some some stuff, they decide to get exclusive, you know, like, hey, we're, we're into this. What does um, kind of in the those uh, more serious levels of dating, like what might that look like? as uh, secure people mm-hmm. yeah so i didn't mean to jump what just yeah, no to, to what i was trying to say earlier is that a secure person is going to be honest yes so after first day if you're not interested you're not interested you can share that openly mm-hmm. um so if you're someone who does if you are interested and you progress into um deeper forms of the relationship those relationships are going to have a quality of security and peace throughout so it's going to be the people that as I hang out with you, I continue to feel peace about my experience with you. Yeah. I continue to feel validated in who I am. I walk away feeling like who I am is seen and known and heard. I experience yeah. you to be open and sharing more about yourself um, mm-hmm. as experiences progress, that you enfold me in more of your life. As, as we start dating, that yeah, you want to bring me to the work party, that you want to introduce me to your friends, that at a certain point you want to bring me um, home to your parents. Yeah, yeah, I see that those are ultra tangible examples Mm -hmm. of just like, hey, this thing's progressing and there's like a desire to like bring a person in rather than like a pretty strong anxiety about letting a person in, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, Um, and so you can see like the bumpers to this are the avoidant is going to do that stuff that's going to take a lot more time and they're going to be the ones that you might have a great date with and they're going to be like yeah i I really have fun with you i'm not ready to call this anything official yeah yeah. you know after you're like oh we've been together for we've been dating for three months i don't understand that would be an avoidant response an anxious person might very quickly say i want you to meet my mom yeah (laughs) right a little bit too much too fast possibly this, the, it's it's two people that are steady paced mm-hmm. um, because there is a security in themselves and who they are and knowing that even when if bad things occur that there there is repair and opportunity for resilience and yeah you know what that's that's the thing that stood out to me on the the list of things you were making um, like patterns that you're you made about uh, security is that like conflict resolution repair resilience these are fixtures among secure people so it doesn't mm-hmm. mean there's never any problems like that's right security exists in a real world not some ideal world where yes, yes. nothing ever goes wrong yes. right so everything's easy se- secure it people just will means... fight exactly secure <laughs> people fight yeah so secure people argue secure people have breakdown full on yeah. breakdown in a relationship yeah absolutely there's going to be disagreements there's gonna be times that we get offended because it is two humans and so it's not it's not that we're looking for a perfect relationship is when we disagree are we both coming to the table saying like how how do we resolve this because i care about you yeah because i want what's best for you at the end of this yes so what's best for me what might either might otherwise be a pattern of running away or getting uh, controlling or any variety of other things, right? Is instead just with this common like, we can get through this together. I want to, I want to connect to you through this. I want to see repair happen here. Um, like, I want us to resolve this conflict. Um, and there's like common interest in that, right? Like, there's unity in the coming together motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm hearing in that. So, mm-hmm. I think that's. That's really beautiful and necessary because the breakdown is inevitable, right? Um, it will happen. Now, part of the security is displayed in our capacity to work through it and That's not right. cut and run or not. And, 
And, and yeah. this is where we can't shortcut the work beforehand because you can listen to this list and you could say, like, oh, I'll, I will will my way to that. I will will my way to compromise. I'll will my way to staying emotionally connected. Mm-hmm. But that is impossible. So if you haven't done your work and you have a fight with someone, those mm-hmm. automatic thoughts in your head and narratives and responses of, yeah, oh, you're not for me. So then getting defensive right away or pushing yes. back yeah, yeah. Um, or wanting to cut and run, unfortunately, those are going to play out. Yes. You know, I, I'm thinking of um, a long time ago, I talked to a friend and he was in a pretty significant relationship with somebody, thought I was like totally going to go the distance. And um, he had an experience where um, this woman he was dating uh, said some stuff that felt like a real betrayal to him. And he freaked out, actually. Um, and uh, and like this relationship that had been over a year and a half or whatever, right? He's And he was like thinking about buying the engagement ring, like this sort of thing. He just like went radio silent on it, right? And... I, I just can't imagine how hard that would be for um, this woman to experience. But, um, or actually, I think they had a conversation about taking a break, some something along those lines. But it's just like uh, together, really, really into it, and then all of a sudden, nothing. Yeah. And uh, as I was talking to my buddy about it, you know, he's he's one of my friends who um, is just like a close buddy, so we have the uh, we have the credibility to just speak truth to one another. So I'm just like. Like, dude, if you just, if you just let this go, you're going to really regret this. And like, I want you to get back in there and at least have some sort of conversation to where you can honor her, where you can take responsibility for your part of what's going on here. You can say you're sorry for things. I'm not saying you have to like keep dating her or whatever. Right. But like, I want you to, uh, like have the courage to just step back in and Mm -hmm. like, and like have that talk instead of just taking off right and um yeah thank god like he he did you know and things didn't really pan out like in in terms of like repairing the relationship or anything but it it was like um important for him actually uh to like to choose to like uh kind of move contrary to his usual pattern Mm -hmm. right he was he was so ready to just go and just like mm. move on, and I was yeah. just like, nope. It's <laughs> you know? so hard. It's yeah. so hard, and and why I can't, you know, speak enough to our listeners about doing your work because you, no one walks into a relationship or goes on a first date thinking, oh, one day I'm gonna, you know, leave you at the altar. No one thinks that. You're excited, yes. no matter what your wounds are. You want relationship to some degree, and are, are, if you're listening to this, you want to engage in, in dating. You're interested in that, and it was just yes. so sad to see how our wounds play out against our our betterment. You know, yeah, for that against guy, our if he was actual healthy, desires, right? Like, he could even have against our love. Probably married that girl. Totally, yeah. And I think this is where I agree with you about doing the work um, beforehand. I think that can help, and also to see are dating as like it's it's the practice ground and it's the real thing at the same mm-hmm. time right so yeah. you know if we are dating somebody seriously uh, like how we're talking about right now and we're noticing our avoidance or anxiety hitting a fever pitch right like we we have the opportunity to to make a different decision and to step into something new with this person that we're dating Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I, I really hope, you know, people who are listening are perhaps seeing themselves in some of these tendencies around avoiding avoidance or anxiety. And, I, you know, I want us to really describe, uh, you know, stepping into repair instead of just cutting and running. Like that's an mm-hmm. example of an alternative action we can take. Right. And it's going to feel difficult because it's like using a new muscle right Mm. and uh and there's like such amazing opportunity blessing there's hope for that that is possible and like uh, it might create something completely different in a relationship than we've ever experienced before um and i 
I sometimes think that's that's a little bit of what the healing looks like. Uh, one of the other ways to find the healing that we're looking for is like moving contrary to our survival impulses, mm-hmm. our like natural impulses that are leading to things not really working out for us over and over and over again. And we can choose something new. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is the ultimate hope is that, um, that, that people can recognize and then, and then do the thing that's healthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, now to, to go back to, um, you know, the idea of like, let's just say a relationship doesn't work out, doesn't go the distance, mm-hmm. right? What does, you know, two secure people uh, breaking up sound like? Like what would... Uh, yeah, I think this think? goes really well for our last rejection episode, because I think <laughs> we did a really good role play about just yeah. that. Um but two secure people are going to be honest about what they what their ultimate needs are in relationship. That's the whole idea is I'm secure. Yeah. I know what my needs are. I know what will help me thrive and what I want long term for, you know, ultimately a marriage. Yeah. And so if there's things that I am not getting from you in that, then be honest about it. Hey, I really care about you. Um, this has been a great experience. You want to be a missionary in Thailand and I want to live in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's unfortunate. Or there's yeah. certain issues that we can't, you know, seem to get past, or we're fighting more than what I think is yeah, is healthy and we can't or, find or, repair, you know, repeatedly, yeah. right? Yeah. Or I'm meeting limits within my own self that yes, I'm not and able not to all give you what you need. Yeah, not all relationships need to work out, right? Like that's. Um, and, and I like to say this as much as possible to people who I'm talking to about dating is like successful dating looks like becoming clear about whether this relationship needs to keep going or not. Right. Like that's what successful dating looks like. Uh, and probably a little mix of enjoying the process too. But that means like this, uh, this myth that we sometimes believe that, Oh, I, I was only successful in dating if I got engaged and got married and then, had two and a half kids and whatever right like that's that's not it a successful dating looks like perhaps even wow i dated this person and we both got clear like we're not each other's life partner and that's okay and we we totally did this we totally you know put the work into exploring this and discovering it and it it led to this right Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important piece to have, uh, at least for me, as I've I've kind of had it broken up with quite a few people. It's just like, um, like it's uh, there's an appropriate time for things to come to a close, to come to an end, mm-hmm. and to end well. I think is important, mm-hmm. and not think. Uh, you know, I think in my younger days, I was really tempted to get. Um, you know, apocalyptic about it and just be like, well, my life is over. Like I'm, I broke up. That's it. You know, like there I go. It's all over, you know? And, um, and I think after finding a little bit more security over the years, I could just be a little bit more open again yeah. about this and yeah. bless a person in the breakup. Yeah. And I- Yeah. I think that's what I would add to what it looks like to be uh, secure and, and breaking up is is also how you're seeing yourself and how you're seeing that other person. And, you know, the avoidant would maybe minimize the significance of the relationship yeah. and push back any, like, good feelings that were had. Mm-hmm. The anxious might leave feeling obsessive about that person feeling like it's hard to let go yeah feeling like they want that person back or but you know the things we've said before but god said you were going to be my partner um and having a really hard time with the with the disconnection Mm -hmm. where a secure person will be able to appreciate what was and take a full stock of the reasons that you didn't end up with that person and then to be able to walk away and you know, it is for some of these reasons that secure individuals don't tend to date anxious or avoidant people mm. because they know what their needs are 
and yeah. avoidance aren't showing up fully and anxiousness are coming on too strong. Yeah. And that so the sense. secure person is going to be able to say pretty early in a relationship, this isn't, these aren't meeting my needs. Mm-hmm. And I want someone that is more interdependent. I want someone that's showing up more emotionally to the scene. Yeah. You know, I was just uh, having I, a conversation uh, earlier with uh, a friend of mine. She's a little bit older and single. And um, and she was just like, yeah, I feel like I just don't date as much as I did when I was younger. And I think it's partly because exactly what you were just describing. It's very clear to me if something seems like it's going to work or not pretty quick. Yeah, and sure. So I get I, I don't get interested yeah. Um, as often. That's a great gauge as I used for to maturity. Get people. Yeah. Yeah, that's really great. Um, I I do want to move to to talking about just some security, like spiritually, and bringing God into that before yes. um, before we wrap up. Oh, total. Yeah, I had a thought about that, which was um, especially as you named one of the facets of security is. Uh, is just like handling emotion well and like there being um, validation to it and trust and empathy and all these things. And uh, it made me think of David's, like the Psalms of David. And he would pray these things to God that were just like so open and vulnerable. And it really displays um, remarkable trust that he has for God. Um, just like, like I've, I've, I can like write a song about, um, you know, killing, killing babies, right. And sing it to God and he will still like receive this as a prayer and like mm-hmm. knows what to do with it and knows how to process it. Right. Like it's not this, um, more shameful, uh, I need to hold this in, uh, sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's because of David's security or God's security? Um, gosh, I I would say it's probably both. I mean, it's a secure relationship. That's what mm-hmm. I would say. Um, yeah. I think there, there are facets of David's life that I hesitate to say that he was a secure attached individual overall. But I, but I hear what you're saying in their relationship. Mm-hmm. That God was a secure figure. Yes, yeah, yes. that he was l- literally naked and unashamed with God about all of yes. the all of the parts of him, and mm-hmm. even in that egregious example about harming, you know, small children. Yeah, that, yeah, that that he was expressing himself without holding back from God, yeah. and knowing that God wouldn't turn away from him as he was being his most vulnerable self. Yes, yes, exactly. And yeah, just on that note, I remember one of my professors uh, in seminary saying like, yeah, I'm pretty sure David was bipolar, you know, just like ah! saying that. And uh, <laughs> and God loves bipolar I don't know, people. maybe a four <laughs> on the Enneagram. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, uh, but it was just, uh, uh. I just see that. Yeah, I, yeah, and actually I see your point. I think that's, that's really true. And it, it, whether he was secure or not, question mark question mark question mark with that but god being secure yeah that's undoubtedly the case yeah um well i love what you're highlighting about the psalms and just the um the range of emotion that's expressed in them and that that vulnerability and honesty in working it out mm -hmm. right like david did work a lot out with god Yes, he did. He did. Um, and he did so uh, through prayer, through creativity, through, you know, through dance, like through, I mean, thinking about like physical intimacy with God, I mean, like occupying space and moving like, I mean, that that's probably the best expression that we can mm-hmm. find. Um, yeah. And yeah, I so as you were describing therapy as like this beautiful space to do this work that can heal. Um, I was also thinking of uh, prayer and spirituality, like life with God, relating to God um, as, gosh, such a 
invaluable and and it, not just from a functional sense but just because god's that great like god mm. god is that good and kind and he is that secure and he can't take anything and he is after like he wants a consistent relationship with us that isn't like you know it's not hiding he's not like whatever right like ever present always there seeking after us like that's the kind of god that we serve and are in relationship with right so um i know sometimes talk about god can feel like putting a a little bit of a christian band-aid over our our issues in life but um i just also think like now god's like super invested in things being healed and um and it seems like he he really wants us to be able to relate with mm-hmm. with freedom and openness and yeah. have vulnerability with one I another. Mean, yeah, well, God is a, a great, I think, example of secure attachment and that throughout Scripture he has a range of emotions. Mm. And, you know, least we whittle down God to the, like, pocket Jesus, which, yeah. you know, I never prefer the, like, always joyful um right. always excited to see me i don't like the god that you see throughout scripture isn't the god that you see gets angry and he gets jealous and yeah. he has expectations mm-hmm. and he has boundaries with people yeah and he's there's consequences and he's loving and he is sacrificial and he wants what's best mm-hmm. uh, for his people and he really wants intimacy and repair and, yes um you know draws near yeah yeah and one of the things that i think is such like great news about that is that um like he has drawn near to us like repeatedly and if we if we know him in faith we know him right like we we uh get to experience that on a regular basis um Mm -hmm. through worship through through the uh, through prayer through the loving connection mm-hmm. of friends who are also yeah. followers of Jesus right like um the body of Christ at work like that's that can be our normal so maybe just like another another like thumbs up to Christian community too <laughs> as a space where secure attachment can be discovered yeah. you know like hope. yeah yeah that we can give that to each other and free of condemnation and our own imposing you know what what we believe god is saying i I will say one more um thing as we're wrapping up Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about therapy and and you and i've talked about this before but i i do think that inner healing prayer is another space that Mm -hmm. we can go back to our early childhood woundings and and um and ask you know god where he is was in those places and being able to be kind of re reparented yes. um, and remet and I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of resources for that out there there are people at our church that do a form of Emmanuel prayer there's heart sync and sozo yeah. and um, a lot of different totally. options for that kind of active listening prayer you know that's guided by um, a trusted yeah yeah uh, Christian totally I I love inner healing prayer I love receiving it I love giving it like I think it's mm-hmm. it's like so powerful sometimes Mm -hmm. for like let's just go to god with this exact Mm -hmm. thing god like will you help me see the root of Mm -hmm. my ongoing tendencies to try to control my relationships in my dating will you take me to the root of where that is and it Mm -hmm. can be surprising where god will take us Mm -hmm. uh like what memory or what what experience from the past and yeah and then he he has the ability to just like nip it in the bud and be like, hey, that's resolved. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So now now here's like a whole nother possibility opened up for yeah. you. Yeah, I it's think really that's cool. a, a great resource mm-hmm. uh, to to add when it comes to healing. Is you know, look yeah. that up in in your local church. Totally. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, Candice, I I feel like we could again we could go on forever uh, as usual. Um, <laughs> But I just want to say thank you so much for this episode and the one before, just being a pro when it comes to attachment. You know your stuff. Thanks for studying that. Um, thanks for being so intentional about it and letting us see how it all applies in dating. So mm-hmm. thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. Also, and and I just want to thank our listeners. This has been a long, you know, episode and and combined almost two hours of attachment theory. And mm-hmm. I commend you know those that have stuck through to to listen. And um, I, I do feel hopeful that we all can get to a more secure place. That yes, we are adaptable human beings that can learn and transform. And so, mm-hmm. you know, leave with that. Leave with that. Yes, those are all nice tidbits of knowledge. And then, like, go into the world. And, yeah, you it know, can I, actually happen. Yeah. Yes. I think the first step of these episodes should help you see, like, check how much gas is in your tank. If you look at the, like, barometer and it's low or empty, like, knowing that is just the first step. Yeah. Now you have to go and, like, now go fuel up. Yeah. And that's my hope for people is to figure out where you are and and journey through to that, you know, what God really wants for us is is oneness with him. Mm-hmm. And we get fragments of that on this side of eternity when we get to have close moments with with intimate people in our life. Yeah. In in deep friendship, in in marital relationships or deep relationships with our parents, with our kids, we get these fragments of um what that oneness will taste like so good so good candace thank you so much yeah Um, all right yeah well with that let's just go ahead and conclude this episode thank you everyone for listening Uh, i hope you enjoyed it if you really liked it uh even if you didn't like it just share it with somebody (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) i hope you liked it but uh share it with some friends um and yeah keep Keep an eye out on our uh, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Feel free to interact with people on that. And if you um, want to support this work that we're doing on these podcasts from week to week, um, please support us on Patreon. There is a link in the um, show notes on this podcast. Uh, we would love to get lots of supporters because we are trying to figure out this whole sound editing thing. Mm-hmm. And if we had lots of supporters, we could hire a sound engineer and that would be fantastic Amazing. for us. Like, I mean, that'd we be an really absolute game changer. Um, if, yeah, if you want to support us for five bucks, 10 bucks more per month, like it would mean so much. And uh, yeah, so please consider that. And with that, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks. See you next time. Bye.